preface and introductory of oscar wilde and myself this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by rob marland oscar wilde and myself by lord alfred douglas preface the manuscript of this book was completed by me and handed over to the publishers as long ago as last july certain persons thereupon deemed it advisable to apply to the court for an injunction restraining me from including in my book any of the letters from oscar wilde which were in my possession and they further applied for an injunction restraining me from quoting from the unpublished portion of the de profundis manuscript which is now sealed up at the british museum and which was used against me in open court as part of the justification in the defence to a libel action brought by me in april nineteen thirteen the application for these injunctions was made in the vacation court before mr justice astbury the most recent recruit to the judicial bench it was immediately granted and though i was advised by counsel to appeal against the decision i thought it better to accept it at any rate for the moment consequently all the copious extracts i was intending to publish from the de profundis which extracts had already been reproduced in all the newspapers at the hearing of the action of douglas versus ransom and the times book club have been entirely removed the same applies to those letters of wilde's which i had originally included in my book as far as the letters are concerned the omission does not very much affect the book the letters were included not to make points against my opponents but merely as interesting curiosities the enforced omission of the extracts from the unpublished de profundis has on the other hand been an undoubted handicap to me a considerable portion of this book is devoted to a reply to the violently mendacious attacks made upon me and upon my family by wilde in that unpublished portion of the de profundis which has been accepted by the authorities of the british museum from the literary executor of the late author obviously it is very difficult to reply to an attack which one is unable to quote and i can only say that i have met the difficulty as best i could and that at a future date i look forward to being able to deal with the whole matter even more completely and finally in this connection i refer my readers to the chapter in this book entitled a challenge to mr ross alfred bruce douglas boulogne sur mer april nineteen fourteen introductory out of little things there may come a peck of troubles i suppose that my first meeting with oscar wilde was to me at that time a little thing by this i do not mean that i was other than glad to meet a man of wilde's culture and attainments but i was not particularly impressed by him at first and if i had never set eyes on him i should certainly have lost nothing as fate arranges matters our acquaintance has brought the gravest disasters not only upon myself but upon those nearest and dearest to me 
the purpose of the present book is not to complain of what had happened or to rail against oscar wilde who for years was my close friend and who at one time in our friendship held me fascinated by what i conceived to be his genius that he had what passed for genius nobody will i think nowadays dispute though it used to be the fashion to pooh-pooh him for a mere poser and decadent if our friendship had remained a private friendship like many other of wilde's friendships instead of being bruited abroad from every housetop this book would never have been written from the moment wilde's name became notorious however people have been careful to link our names together and even more careful to link them together in scandalous ways there are many persons now alive who were friends with wilde in the days of his greatness and prosperity and without a single exception so far as i am aware their friendship is reckoned to their credit and in some instances has proved highly advantageous to them from many points of view yet what was a virtue in these persons would seem to have been a crime in me i have never boasted of my relations with wilde and though i have had many proposals from editors and publishers to say my say about my friend for handsome remuneration i have never previously taken a penny piece from any of them i have always known that there was nothing in our friendship of which i need be ashamed and although the tongue of malice and slander has been busy with my name almost without ceasing since the day of wilde's downfall i looked to time and the facts to set me right since wilde's downfall my life has been lived under conditions of which it is to be hoped few persons have had experience always i have had to fight the cunningly contrived innuendo which while it could not be nailed to the counter and rebutted in the courts of law nevertheless did its deadly work and threw its bitter odium over my name and fame on occasions out of number i have had to take expensive legal proceedings in sheer self-defence generally the parties concerned have been people of straw who apologised abjectly or disappeared or got out by asserting that they did not mean what they tried to say immediately the writs were issued my own determination has always been to refrain from litigation on the subject unless it were absolutely forced upon me how far i was wise in this determination is another affair it may seem a simple and easy thing to wipe out slander how difficult it is only the few persons who have had a really foul and abominable slander put up against them can know in addition to the multitudinous gentlemen with ready pens who have not scrupled to decry and defame me i have for years had to contend with the class of persons who had letters to sell or letters to print and who have ever been handy with their documents and inside information when opportunity might arise whereby they hoped to turn an honest penny for these gentry i have encouraged a proper contempt and not one of them has had from me a single sixpence 
or a breath of appeal for the mercy which they believed themselves capable of extending later a mr arthur ransom whom i had not known as an acquaintance of wilde and who had no acquaintance with myself went out of his way to assert in a book which purported to be an intimate study of wilde that the latter had attributed some measure of his public obloquy to my influence over him and further that i had lived upon wilde after his imprisonment and left him stranded at naples when his financial resources were exhausted i took an action for libel against ransom and his publishers and the times book club with the result that the publishers withdrew ransom's book from circulation leaving him and the times book club to make what defence they could the jury found for the defendants on the first libel and that the second libel was not a libel at all it will interest all parties concerned to know that this is exactly the finding which i anticipated and it is noteworthy that the libels of which i complained have been expunged from the new edition of the book mr justice darling and the defendant's counsel repeatedly observed during the course of the trial that they could not understand what motive had prompted me to come into court a letter which wilde addressed to me previous to his imprisonment and other letters which i had written to him were read by defendant's counsel judge counsel and jury alike appear to have imagined that if i had known of the existence of these letters i should not have brought my action in point of fact i was well aware of their existence and i was told while the action was still pending that they were to be raked up and that i should be simply eviscerated in the witness-box well i went like a lamb to the evisceration and mr justice darling marvelled at my lack of worldly wisdom in the following pages i shall set out the whole details of my relationship with oscar wilde and i do so not by way of defence or apology because i need neither but simply with a view to making clear in the public interest and for the benefit of posterity the true inwardness of wilde's writing and character i take this step as much for wilde's sake as for my own during his imprisonment at reading oscar wilde was permitted the use of pen and ink and he appears to have relieved the tedium of his incarceration by writing eighty thousand words or thereabouts addressed to myself a copy of the manuscript is alleged to have been sent to me by post shortly after its completion half of it has been published under the aegis of mr robert ross and is known to the world as de profundis the nature and drift of the published portion of the manuscript needs no comment from me at this juncture the unpublished parts however may reasonably be described as a frantic attack upon me till a copy of this attack came into my hands during the time the ransom action was pending i had no knowledge of its existence at the trial it transpired that this farrago of hysterical abuse had been handed by mr ross to the authorities at the british museum as a present to the nation 
and that it was not to be made public till nineteen sixty when it is to be hoped we shall all be dead i could have wished for the sake of my old friend that mr ross had seen the wisdom of destroying a piece of writing which even mr justice darling conceives to be evil and discreditable to its author whether or not it is my property is a legal problem i have applied to the british museum for its return but so far without success mr ross's present to the nation may possibly abide on the british museum's shelves unperused by the curious till nineteen sixty my own present to mr ross and to the weeping worshippers of wilde is delivered herewith and can be opened and read by him who runs while we still have a little breath the result of mr ross's action would seem to be that if the british museum do in fact disclose the contents of the manuscript after my death wilde will be disgraced and confounded on his own evidence end of preface and introductory